Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, help, and encourage. Father, uh, on this gloriously beautiful Mother's Day morning, we thank you for the joy and the privilege of walking with you step by step. And thank you for leading us so very clearly as we focus our eyes on you. Father, I thank you for the privilege of worshiping with brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that you have been pleased with the offering of worship that we have given to you this morning. And I pray now that as we study your word, you will speak clearly to our hearts instruct us and guide us and father today as we think about wisdom we call out we cry out to you for wisdom in days of tumult and confusion all across our great nation i pray for wisdom for leaders even for those who do not ask for your wisdom that you will in nevertheless Give them a measure of wisdom that they might lead us effectively and wisely in the right direction. I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom to be the men and women of God that you want us to be. I pray that in these days of exciting opportunity that you've given to our church, that you would give us wisdom as we go step by step in the direction in which you are leading us. Father, share with our hearts individually how we should respond and collectively as a family what we should do so father bless us now we thank you for this mother's day and it is a glorious day that we have to honor our mothers some of whom are in the room with us others living far away others have already gone into your presence and we cherish the memories of a lifetime We know that for some, this is the first Mother's Day without mom being present, so we pray for comfort. Father, for others who have desired to be moms, but it hasn't happened, and this becomes for them a difficult day, we pray for encouragement and strength for their hearts. And Father, we say to you that we love you and adore you, and we ask now that you speak so very, very clearly to our hearts. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of James, chapter 3. The book of James, chapter 3. Today we continue our series in the book of James. I want to thank Matt Hollingsworth for preaching for me last Sunday in my absence. And Matt, as always, did a magnificent job of preaching the gospel, and I'm so grateful to him uh, for doing that. And I thank you for your prayers, as I had for the sixth consecutive year the opportunity to be in Haiti, and uh, along with my son and uh, four other, uh, three other pastors, to teach over 200 pastors who came from all over Haiti to be with us. And it was a great week, and I could feel your prayers, and I thank you for that very, very much. We were joined by Dr. Jason Gish and by Trey Bledsoe on the last three days they were there. Uh, We were there as they were coming to train uh, church leaders 
at a place where we will have a mission trip this summer. And so it was a joy for all of us to be there and share that time together. This morning we continue the series of faith that works. Two weeks ago, we were in the first part of chapter 3 and talked about warnings about the tongue. If you weren't here that day, you probably are thinking, wow, I'm glad I wasn't here that day. Uh, James is so extraordinarily direct, and nowhere is he any clearer than he is when he talks to us about the use of the tongue. Today, the wisdom we need and how we need God's wisdom in the day in which you and I live. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great Baptist British preacher said wisdom is the right use of knowledge to know is not to be wise many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it there is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool but to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom and we'll unpack that a little more as we go along this morning James makes it very clear, wisdom is not based on education. Wisdom is not based on age. Wisdom is not based on financial status. Wisdom is not based on the ability to talk. Wisdom is not based on status in the community. And because humility is intertwined with wisdom, as we are about to see those who proclaim themselves wise probably are not. We want to be wise, don't we? Only a fool would say, I don't want to be wise. Then we remember the words of James in the very first chapter, in the very first Sunday that we looked at this epistle, where James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. The third chapter, beginning with verse 13, and here is what James says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote unquote, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You may be seated. There are four things that I want us to grapple with, put our arms around, think about, reflect upon in these verses. And the first is this, a biblical view of wisdom and how we attain it. 
a biblical view of wisdom and how we attain it. Dr. J.I. Packer has written many books. In my estimation, one of the greatest Christian books ever written is by J.I. Packer entitled Knowing God. And I recommend it highly. In that book, Knowing God, Packer talks about the common mistake that we make by the way in which we think about wisdom. And Packer says we often erroneously think of wisdom from God in this way. We think that the gift of wisdom wisdom consists in a deepened insight into the meaning and purpose of events going on around us, an ability to see why God has done what he has done in a particular case and what he's going to do next. And then in one of the most profound theological statements you will ever hear, now hold on to your seat because it's going to blow you away how profound Packer is. Packer says that view of wisdom is wrong. He says wisdom from God. Are you ready? I mean, this is big. Hold on. Wisdom from God is like driving a car. What a profound theological statement made by Dr. Packer. Wisdom from God is like driving a car. It's not what you know in your head. It's how you respond to what comes along. That makes sense. In the same way, God's wisdom is not how much knowledge we have up here, but it is how we respond to life as it comes along. And James makes it exceedingly clear that a demonstration of wisdom from God is seen not in what we think, not in how much is packed up here, but in what we do. And to live wisely, you must be clear-eyed about people and life, seeing life as it is, and then responding with a mind that is dependent on the wisdom of God. Wisdom does not mean that we understand everything that comes along because of our superior knowledge, but it means that we do the right thing as life comes along, and that is God's wisdom. How does wisdom come to us? The Scriptures tell us, four ways in which wisdom comes to us. So here they are. The first is reverence. Reverence, a respectful fear for God. In Psalm 111, verse 10, the psalmist says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then in Proverbs chapter uh, chapter, 11, chapter 9, verse 10, It says, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we see God for who he really is, we are on the doorstep of wisdom. Step through the door in dependence on him. There is no wisdom apart from an accurate, and I might add, quaking vision of God. He is big and you 
are not. He is big and I am not. And that's what the psalmist and the writer of Proverbs means when they talk about the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Today, churches are so desperate to be relevant and relational in worship that they minimize or eliminate the awesomeness of God in some form of self-important focus. And it's wrong. You can memorize the card catalog. Remember what those are? You can, re- you can memorize the card catalog of the Library of Congress and not have one scintilla of wisdom. A humble relationship to God is required for wisdom from God. So the first way that you and I receive wisdom from God is reverence. The second should not astonish you, but it is important. The second is salvation. We want wisdom from God, then we need to be saved. We need to know Jesus. Or as Paul puts it, count this, write it down, go count them if you want to. As Paul says in his epistles, 161 times Paul says, uses the term, in Christ. We need to be in Christ if we're going to have God's wisdom. For instance... In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, beginning with verse 28, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not, are not anything, to nullify the things that are. That is, those who are puffed up and think there's something so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and, and redemption. So if we're going to have God's wisdom, there must be reverence for God and we must be in Christ. We must be saved. We must be born again. We must be a Christian to have God's wisdom. Thirdly, And this should not surprise you. The third thing that is essential for the wisdom of God is the Bible, God's precious word. I will simply read this this text from the 119th Psalm. Oh, how I love your word. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. And then one more in the New Testament in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says, let the message or the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your 
hearts. So we want wisdom. It comes through reverence. It comes through salvation. It comes through the Bible. And fourth, it comes through prayer. Through prayer. Remember the verse we read a moment ago. James is plain spoken, as he always is. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's a direct promise. Vance Havner, great, great preacher, now with the Lord, wrote these words. If you lack knowledge, go to school. If you lack wisdom, get on your knees. Knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. That's what Spurgeon said. That's what James is saying. So by reverence, salvation, the Bible, and prayer, we have can have wisdom in our hearts. Now, the second thing that I want us to embrace in this text is this. I want us to look at the characteristics of wisdom. And, and you'll find those in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So he lays out for us two characteristics of wisdom in verse 13. And the first characteristic of wisdom is a good life shown by the way you live, by your good conduct or by your deeds. Show it. A characteristic of being wise is that you demonstrate in the power of the Spirit that you are wise. Now, the ambitious would-be teachers who were tearing the, the church apart with their flaming tongues, claiming superior wisdom and, and knowledge and intellect, the Gnostics that we, we can talk about some other time, they are put down by James. He says, show who you are, show your wisdom by your deeds, by your good conduct, by your behavior. So what James is saying is that if you are wise, you will show it. It will be seen. It will be evident. Then the second characteristic of wisdom is that of humility or meekness. Meekness or humility. That is Meekness, humility is the moral characteristic of wisdom. That's the moral characteristic of wisdom. Humility, meekness. Meekness does not equal weakness. Please don't ever think that. In fact, the, 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 the Greek word used for humility or meekness speaks of great strength and power that is under control. It is the same word that you would use of a horse who is under control? Has that horse suddenly become weak? Absolutely not. That horse is powerful, but he is under control. We say he is humble or he is meek, and that's the word that's used for us. The test of those who think themselves wise is humility before God and man. The wise know that God is in control and that they are redeemed sinners. I trust that's us. So two characteristics of wisdom. The first characteristic is you show it by your deeds. Second characteristic is that of humility or meekness. Now let's think about the third thing just for a moment. Let's think about false wisdom. 
Not that we want to camp out there forever, but James discusses it so we can't avoid it. Look at verse 14. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, he says in verse 15, and that is in quotes in my Bible, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So let's think about false wisdom. First of all, let's think about this. False wisdom is revealed. Verse 14, it is revealed. It will not be kept secret. It will become obvious. Bitter envy, selfish ambition, envy of others, a divisiveness among people that is not wise. It will be seen. It will be evident. That is false wisdom. Then we see in verse 15 the characteristics of this false wisdom. And James, uh, as if he were singing this, lays out the, the, the three characteristics in ascending order of negative strength. An ascending order of negative strength. And, and he, he uses a word perhaps somewhat calmly. He says it is earthly. Then he ascends and says, it is unspiritual. And then he rises to the top and says, it is demonic. Can you see the ascension in those three words? Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now, sometimes we equate common sense with wisdom. And when we do so, that is an error. Because so-called common sense strips away the supernatural. God doing what only God can do. If we can explain everything through our own common sense and our own earthly thinking, then it is devoid of the Spirit and rising to a crescendo. James says it is demonic. So we have to be really careful as we as we make our way in pursuit of wisdom. Wisdom from God always makes room for the power of God. Earthly wisdom is only what man's intellect assumes. We need not just earthly wisdom. That in of itself is fine. It's great, nice to have. But what we want is God's wisdom and it is distinctive we must not lose that distinctiveness now in verse 16 he gives us the results of this false wisdom so he he says it is revealed it has characteristics rising ascending three words and and then verse 16 it has results And, and if you look again at verse 16 for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every evil practice disorder then every evil practice that's what happens when you remove god you you want to know why there's so much tumult in our nation today because our nation has chosen in so many fears to remove God. We don't want Him there. So we remove Him and then act surprised when there is tumult in the arena. So here are the results of this false wisdom. It is 
disorder than evil practice. So James says there's no place for pride, jealousy, or selfish ambition. You know, you and I could get all this figured out if James just could really say what he's thinking. Okay. So we come to number four, real wisdom. And, And look again at verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, okay, here's the real thing. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, and then the results, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So, first of all, James gives us the traits of real wisdom, and, and you'll notice they're listed there. I can't elaborate on each one very long. We'll never get out of here. So, the first one is pure. He says it's pure. James, led by the Holy Spirit, purposefully puts that one first. It's not an accident. He's not just saying, okay, what should come first? The Holy Spirit leads you. Pure is first on purpose because it means that we are morally pure because we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we're morally pure. So we ask ourselves the question, am I wise? Then if you want to know the answer to that, ask yourself this question, am I pure? And if the answer to the second question is yes, then the answer to the first question is also yes. Pure. Second, peace-loving. It means to have a peaceful spirit in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul says, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups, Jew and Gentile, has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So we are are peace-loving. That is real wisdom is peace-loving, at peace with God and, and not a pugnacious spirit. If you have a pugnacious spirit, you may be a lot of things, but one of them that you are not is wise. A pugnacious person is not wise, according to Scripture. So the real wisdom has the traits that it is pure and peace-loving, and the third is considerate. Another way to translate that word is gentle. Not, not, un, not unmanly. The manly men are gentle as they deal with their wives and their daughters. Considerate means gentle. If you dig into that word that he uses there for gentle or considerate, it, it implies that you are willing to forgo your rights when you're wronged you're willing to forgo your rights when you are wronged and you refuse to respond in kind when you are slandered that's considerate wise the fourth word is submissive that word literally means open to reason meaning that the person who is wise will sometimes admit that initially they are not always right but they will listen to those who are wise in order to bring themselves into line with God's wisdom. So submissive. And then the word mercy. 
which means compassion in action. doesn't mean just compassion. We can be filled with compassion and do nothing. But James is talking about mercy, which is compassion in action. We, take, we do something. And then he says impartial. Now, that word impartial, we sort of think like justice is blind. And, and yeah, that's fine. But the word impartial here means steady. Steady. We don't vacillate. We don't bend to every situation. Boy, is that a challenge these days? Everybody wants you to bend and bend over backwards and compromise. And, and so, but, but the person with God's wisdom is steady, does not vacillate, does not bend. And then the seventh characteristic or trait of real wisdom is sincere, which comes from the combination of two Latin words, sine and sera. Sine means without, sera means wax. And where that word comes from is a pottery maker who was not honest, might have a crack in, in the vase, for instance, that he is, that he is making. And, and he, he sees, okay, I'm going to lose a sale here. So he will take wax and he will cover over the crack in the, in the pot and then sell it as if it is perfect. Sinny Sarah is without wax. With wax, he will try to sell it. And we get our words, our terms, hypocrite or hypocrisy from that. But James says, real wisdom is sincere. Without wax, there's no hypocrisy, no pretense. And then, not only does he give us these seven traits of real wisdom, but he gives us the fruit of real wisdom in verse 18. Here's the fruit of real wisdom. It is peacemaking. Not not peace at any price. That's not what James is saying, but peacemaking upon the authority of the Word of God. Peacemaking. One with God's wisdom will create an atmosphere of peace. And that's the fruit of real wisdom. So, are you wise? I read a guy named Tim Enns who wrote a sermon on this passage. I think this is amazing. Here's what he wrote. It kind of gripped me and I had to think about it 12 or 13 times. Here it is. Worldly wisdom says you need a plan even when God calls. Godly wisdom says the planning is done if God calls. Think about that. If you need more than once to think about it, let me know. I'll send it to you. And you can think about it 12 or 13 times also. How do we have God's wisdom? Reverence God. Be in Christ. Be saved. Read the Bible. And pray, ask, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Let's bow for prayer. In a moment, we'll stand. Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of our song of invitation.
Someone in this room needs Jesus. We're talking about having the wisdom of God, and it's essential for having the wisdom of God that you be in Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, will you make that decision today? The Spirit of God is wooing, calling, drawing you to Himself. And when we stand in a moment, leave your seat wherever you are. Come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you, share God's Word with you. Then for the rest of us who know the Lord, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it, and God will give it. So, Father, we individually, collectively today call out to you for wisdom. We understand in the way this passage is written that it doesn't mean We ask once in a lifetime, and we don't ever have to ask again. We have to ask repeatedly because we are are sinners. So today we ask for your wisdom once again. Pray that you would give it to us. But Father, I earnestly pray this morning for the man, the woman, the child here today without Jesus. That on this Mother's Day of 2019, that one or those several would respond giving heart and life to the Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come now as we stand and sing. As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sunday for our traditional worship service at 8.30 or our contemporary service at 11 and for Bible study at 945. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God.